I'm going to be uh, speaking to you today on the topic of the Emmaus Road to Discipleship, the Emmaus Road to Discipleship. So we will be reading from Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Remember, this is just after Jesus had died and uh, the disciples are in shock. In their mind, everything had gone wrong. And then we have two of them who are thinking, well, there's no point hanging around Jerusalem anymore. Jesus has died. It's all finished. So they begin to travel uh, back to where they came from, Emmaus. And this is the story of it. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. The Emmaus road to discipleship. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began travelling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognising him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened? here in these days. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though if he, he was going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting towards evening, and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he vanished from their sight. Then they said to one another, were not, were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognised by them in the breaking of bread. The Emmaus Road to Discipleship. This was an incredible journey. It was only seven miles, but... The difference between these two at the beginning of their journey and then 
at the end of their journey, at the end of the day, is absolutely incredible. They had been turned into disciples of the risen king. The journey at the beginning was a heartbreaking start, a heartbreaking start to the journey. Their hearts were broken, everything they'd hoped for, everything that they believed in hadn't come to pass. And then when Jesus joined them, they didn't know it was Jesus because they weren't permitted to see and recognize him. And the heartbreaking journey began to be a heart-searching journey. As Jesus asked them what was happened and listened to their understanding of what they perceived had happened and then began out of that to take them to the scriptures and search the scriptures about what had happened. So it went from a heartbreaking journey to a heart-searching journey. But it was only when they decided that they would entertain and care for the needs of a stranger and then Jesus sat with them and they broke bread in fellowship at that moment their eyes were opened and they saw that it was Jesus all along and they said we're not our hearts burning when he taught us the scriptures so from a heartbreaking beginning to a heart searching middle at the end of the journey, it became a heart-burning conclusion. Heartbreaking, heart-searching, heart-burning. You know, I think there's a rhythm in this that we often can find in our journeys with the Lord. You know, life is a journey. Do you know what the name of the Christians was? The first name of the Christians that we find in the book of Acts? It wasn't Acts, it wasn't Christians. It was the way. That was what they called them, the Christians. The first name of the Christians in the book of Acts was the way. Why? Because they were on a journey, just like these men were on a journey. You're on a journey, a journey of discipleship. You say, well, what's a journey of discipleship? You're following Jesus, or you're attempting to, or you're desiring to follow Jesus on a journey that he has set for you and I and us together while we're here on, on, on earth. And at times that can be a heartbreaking journey that we face. At times it needs to be a heart-searching journey. But it will always bring us to moments of a heart-burning journey. Let's begin with the start of this journey, a heartbreaking beginning to this journey of seven miles. You know, you know the story. The band of Jesus' followers was falling apart. It was the third day after he had died. And to most of them, except the women who had uh, witnessed what the angels had said that morning about the resurrection, most of them, their hearts had broken, their hopes were dashed. It was only a few days earlier, in the same week, that they had witnessed what looked like the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry. Do you remember when he came into Jerusalem on a donkey and the whole town and all the pilgrims, it seemed, turned out and sang Hosanna in the highest 
and they were putting uh, palm leaves down and, and their coats for, for the donkey to go in and, and, and people were saying the king has come, the Messiah has come at the right moment and they believed that, that, that God was going to set up the Davidic kingdom again, uh, Jerusalem and then Israel would be released from the bondage of Roman subjection. Think about that, think about being in the crowd when Jesus entered in Jerusalem and you're believing that that Rome's going to be overthrown, that Jesus is going to be like the second David and everything's going to be restored. And you can feel that the joy and the praise of the crowd and it doesn't get any better than this. And you say to yourself, we're at the, he's at the top of his political career right now. It's absolutely amazing. It's like when someone wins the presidency or, or wins hands down the election and all the supporters just can't believe it. They're hugging and they're in euphoria. But then, before they realised it, he was being beaten. He was being stripped. He was being crucified. And he didn't even get down from the cross. He died on the cross. So from... Ex total exaltation, all your hopes and desires for yourself and your nation about to be fulfilled to the death on a murderer's cross, because that's what the cross was there for, for murderers, in between two thieves, he died. Absolute devastation, heartbreaking. It wasn't what they expected. And so here these two men said, well, there's no, they waited three days they were probably too depressed, probably to get out of bed. But now they thought, you know what, we're done here. It's time to go back. Time to go back to our old lives and our old ways. It was fun while it lasted. We, we thought we were going to take on the world, but now it's over. And they began to walk away. And as they began to walk, they did what we always do when our hearts are broken and our hopes are dashed. And we're confused about the way that things have turned out. And, what, and, and the people that we thought were going to be there for us aren't. And, and we, we had our hopes raised in our life for something. We were excited and then it never came to pass and we're dis disappointed. And this was what the men were like in their discipleship journey, walking away. And they were talking about it. They were discussing these things, talking and discussing. And, and they were saying, what was this all about? I don't know what it was about. I haven't a clue. How on earth did this happen? I don't know about you, but Clopas, but I'm still in shock. I said, I just can't get my mind around it. What, why did we go through all this? Why did he do all those miracles? Why did he preach? Why were all the, do you remember all those thousands that were fed? by him. Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember the stories of him walking on the water? Yeah, I remember. I mean, there was nothing he couldn't do. The healings, the miracles, the raisings from the dead. It was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. And then all snuffed out on the cross, finished, dead, buried. And they couldn't understand what was happening. In our lives, there will be times on our journeys when we will sense this type of heartbreaking journey. Disillusionment perhaps, disappointment, uh, unrealized dreams. We had an idea of how we thought it would be and it didn't turn out. Perhaps we had a word from the Lord that we knew was tried and tested or a scripture or, or, or we were coming to the word and thinking I'm believing God for something for his kingdom. I'm, I'm hoping it's going to work out. 
Perhaps something tragic happened in our lives, has happened in, in their lives, and we lost a loved one, or something came right out of the blue that was unexpected, knocked us for six, and on our journey, we just can't get around what has happened to us. Our, our mind can't get around it, our experience can't get around it. It was a heartbreaking moment on their journey of discipleship, but it was necessary, as we'll see. And then I love this, it says, while they were talking and discussing, because they didn't understand what was going on, Jesus approached and began traveling with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Think about that. There they were discussing, they didn't know what was happening, they thought it was all over, they thought that perhaps the Lord had let them down, or at least the Father had let his son down, and they didn't know what was going. And then Jesus comes alongside them in their journey of disillusionment, discouragement and bemusement and starts walking with them, but they don't even know that he's walking with them. He, he, he's come in a form, in their eyes, a form of someone else. They were walking in a fog of doubt. And even though Jesus was now walking with them in the journey, they couldn't see through their fog of doubt they thought Jesus was still dead, that Jesus was with them. They thought he was someone else. You know, often you will find in your heartbreaking or disappointed, uh, disappointing parts of your journey that Jesus will actually come alongside you very closely in your journey, but at the time you won't realise it. He might be speaking into your life through someone that's around you that you're not quite aware that it is the Lord. He is alongside you. He's walking with you. You don't think he's there. You don't think he's interested. But actually, he's right by your side. And he's working and he's involved, but you can't perceive that he's working and he's involved. I don't know about you, but I can think of some times in my journey. It doesn't happen all. You're not, you're not having a, you won't be heart, having a heartbreaking journey all the time. And you won't be having a heart-searching journey all the time, you see. But these are sometimes places that we find ourselves in. When I look back on my journey with the Lord, I can think of some heartbreaking journeys. But I can also think of some heart-searching and there's times, at the time, I couldn't see the Lord anywhere about. I was struggling, I was hoping, I was believing. R.T. Kendall this morning spoke, didn't he? If you heard him, it'll be up on the internet tomorrow. He was speaking about the presence of the Lord, about how sometimes you really discern the Lord is with you. He shows up. But there's other times, and you're like, where, is, where are you, Lord? And, and there's no sense of him being with you. Well, I can think of times in my life, looking back, of times when I felt, well, where is God? God, why aren't you helping me? God, I just can't see through this. God, I don't know what's happening. But then when I come to the heart burning section later, I can look back and say, my goodness, you are with me all the time. In fact, some of the, uh, this might sound strange, but I think you'll know if you've, had, if you've ever gone through this, and if not, you will. The times when you've been music and you're confused, sometimes that's the closest part of your journey with the Lord is when you can't see him. You don't know it at the time. 
you're struggling, you're doubting, you're wondering, you're concerned. But when you look back on it, when you've come out of that particular uh, part of your journey, you look back and you say, my goodness, God was so close to me and I never realised it until I looked back. Well, they were unaware. And then the great, isn't it amazing? Jesus didn't just, he could have, couldn't he? And he did later. He could have just sort of like, you know, like, like Star Trek when they uh, uh, transport somebody from one place to another. Uh, he could have just appeared right in front of them. Behold the risen Lord, couldn't he? He could have done that. He did it to others. Behold the risen Lord. And they would be like, oh, and they'd be praising God and it would be, but he didn't, did he? He came alongside because he was working things through in their lives. He didn't just go straight to the moment of appearance and divine revelation, but he realised that they were on an important part of their journey and he didn't want to shortcut or short-circuit that part of the journey of discipleship they were on because he knew that if they went through that important part of the journey, then when he did come through and manifest himself, uh, they would be far more appreciative and far more wiser and far more closer to him. And then next time they felt that he was far away, they would remember this journey. It would be a testimony to encourage them. So he didn't just appear, but he drew them out. He listened, he walked with them on their journey. And it was a time for him to hear how they were processing things. It's very important to the Lord to hear what's going on in our heart. So when we're praying to him or reasoning to him or complaining to him or, or talking to him and we say, I don't understand, are you even hearing me? They didn't know that the Lord was listening. He's listening. He's hearing how you are dealing with the things around you. Because as he hears, he can then, well, he knows everything, but in the process of listening, he draws out from them how much they know about him how much they understand, so that when he comes through for them, they too can think back about how they process things. And look, he says, well, you know, tell me what, what's happened. Um, what are these words you're exchanging? He says, are you the only one that doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem? And he said, what things? So there they are. They're like, well, what... Are you the only one that doesn't know what's going on in Jerusalem? Actually, he was the only one that did know what had happened in Jerusalem. Because the rest didn't believe. He was the only one that had an accurate understanding. And then, and then they say, this, they, then they explain where they were on their journey. They said, Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and rulers crucified him, but we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. So they, they didn't fully understand what the word of God said about their situation. They didn't understand. They had a partial understanding and that partial understanding was coloured by their own perceptions, hopes and desires and the way they believed it should have worked out. So they understood that he was a prophet but they hadn't quite understood that he was the son of the living God. They understood that he had died and they understood uh, these things, but they didn't understand what he had preached to them many times. 
that he would suffer, die, and on the third day rise again. They were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel, but their understanding of what it meant to redeem Israel was very different to what Jesus' understanding was. They thought that they would put Israel, he, they thought Jesus would put Israel back into great political power like Solomon and David. That's what they thought. They didn't quite understand the scriptures. Often we will find out that when we are uh, bemused and dazed and we can't understand, often it can be, be because we don't have a close enough association with the word of God. I mean, for example, imagine uh, if you heard R.T. Kendall this morning and you heard him speaking about, of, about the fact that when, when you feel that God has abandoned you, actually he hasn't abandoned you, he's hiding his face so that he can draw you out. Well, just to hear those words in the scriptures about that can immediately make you understand a situation that if you hadn't heard that preaching, you'd be going around saying, I don't understand, I can't understand, what have I done? Why can't I see God? Do you see what I'm saying? So ignorance can, 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 is, it can be very, very dangerous and damaging to us on our road of discipleship. That's why it's important to come to a church that preaches you the whole counsel of God, not just the bless me bits, not just the prosperity bits. I know they're there. But when people just preach what people want to hear, they're not fitted for when, they, when it comes to life. They have a false understanding of how God works and how the world works. And so when things happen that they don't understand, they're doubly in jeopardy because not only do they not understand what happens, but they've got this false theology of everything's all right all the time and because it's not all right, therefore there's something wrong with you that makes double damage to the times when we, we don't un understand. And then it says, and then it's so ironic, isn't it? Uh, but we were hoping, in verse 21, he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things had happened. They were even speaking in the terminology that Jesus had been preaching, that on the third day, like Jonah in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be in the earth for three days and nights, and then he will rise again. I mean, he did it again and again. I will rise again on the third day. But they never heard it. It was selective hearing. All of us have to be careful, because it's natural for all of us, that we hear what we want to hear, and we process what we want to hear to make it in what we want it to be. So they could even say, it's, they pronounce, it's the third day. Yet that was the key. If it was the third day and they'd believed, and they would say, well, we don't know where he is, but these women, they reported he wasn't there and that he'd rise again. And we believe because after all, that's what he said the third day. And uh, Jesus responds to them 25 and says, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had said. Yeah. Slow of heart to believe. This wasn't an intellectual failure to understand Jesus' teaching. This wasn't some sort of like we couldn't figure, Lord, you spoke in parables and we didn't understand, or, or, or Lord, we didn't, we didn't really understand or couldn't apply your teaching about being raised on the third day. But actually what Jesus is saying is that it wasn't an intellectual failure, but a moral failure. 
In other words, there was something unbelieving in them that was preventing them from believing that Jesus would rise again. It wasn't that they didn't know about it, that they hadn't heard about it, that he never taught about it. He'd been teaching it all along. What it was was that deep in their heart, there was a root of unbelief, even with the testimony of the women. I mean, on on Easter Day, I, I preached on the testimony of the women when they came back to the disciples who had also heard the message that Jesus would rise again from his very lips and die, die and rise again. And the women came back and they give them the message of the angel and the disciples don't believe and they say, what a bunch of fables. What a, fan- what a bunch of fantasy you're speaking, women. So it wasn't that the disciples didn't understand, had never heard the preaching, but in them there was this unbelief. You know, when we go through heartbreaking into heart-searching times, That's when we find what's really on the inside of us. You find out more about your inside when you've got your tears than you have when you've got your laughter and both are important. When you're going through a difficult time, when you're going through a heartbreaking time or a a time where you don't understand, it's not working out quite as you'd expected or as quick as you'd expected. There's a time delay uh, to the plan of God on your life, at least you think that. Then actually you will find deep down as God is searching, as Jesus is asking questions and as the circumstance that you're in is speaking and asking questions. What situation are you in right now Good, bad, excellent, breakthrough, struggling, boring, day by day. What circumstance and situation are you currently in now personally? And what is that situation asking to you? What, what, is, it, what is it asking about you and your faith? Is it saying, don't you have patience with the Lord? What, what, what are the questions that the circumstance and that Jesus, through what you're going through, is actually asking you? He's asking you how you're responding. He's asking you these things. And so, oh foolish men of slow and heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary to suffer uh, and to enter, for him to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then... Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. I like this. Because Jesus, they still don't know it's Jesus. They don't know what's going on on their journey. They've lost their orientation. You know orientation? Chris Shimon's just been on a special... Elim, men's weekend away, survival weekend away, where he's been hosting men from different of our Elim churches and leaders. And they do a bit of how to survive in the wilderness. And one of the things that that Chris does is that he can teach you how to find your bearings. Where am I in this uh, hostile territory where it all looks the same? And where am I? And how do I get to this place? And how many steps? My son, Jake... Uh, he's at university right now doing a theology degree. He went on a weekend with Chris, so took some of the young guys at KT, and they went on to Dartmoor, wasn't it? And, and one of the things that Chris taught them, and what they did, is in the pitch black, total darkness, he had taught them how to use an illuminated compass. And you can't see where you're going, 
but with your illuminated compass and your little map, you can pace out how far you're going on the map with the compass, even though you can't see where you are. Must be, Jake said it was an incredible experience because you didn't know where you are when you looked around, but you just had this tight-lit compass and this map, and, and then you, you realise that, that this is, you know, how many metres was how many steps, so that must mean I've come here, which means that we need to take a bearing to the left and a few more steps. Don't look around, it's pitch black. Well, that's a journey that they were taking, and it was dark, they couldn't get their bearings, but they had a compass and they had a map. Jesus took these people on a journey to Emmaus and he got out God's compass and he got out God's map and he began to show them where they were spiritually, what had happened, what was going to happen so that they could find their life bearings again. I've got one of those tom-tom things. You know those tom-tom things that you put in and you put in the postcode and if you put it right you just go and turn left at the roundabout. And then, you know, you turn left and, or you do it the wrong way, it gets a little bit annoyed. Please turn around at your, you know, and all this sort of thing. And you get annoyed back at it and, and everything. And you can choose which voice you want. And I, I, I choose the soft Irish female voice because it calms me. I, I, and there's times with that, there's times, there was a time when I was going to a concert on the other side of London at the O2 um, Arena with my wife and my son. And, uh, and I, I roughly knew where the arena was, but I put the tom-tom on, and the tom-tom kept telling me to go different places that I thought was the wrong way. And Nicola, my wife, kept saying, look, just, just, just trust in I said, yeah, but it's quicker if I go that way. Well, it knows about the traffic, and you don't. And, and we were having this conversation, and I was just following it, and I was really annoyed with the tom-tom, because it was taking me through, it felt like it was taking me through Trafalgar Square, and I'm thinking, it's over there, it's over there. And Nicola said, just trust it, it will get you, it'll get you there. And also, there's times when I've had the tom-tom, and um, I thought, I don't need it. I, I know where I'm going. I'll find it. And then suddenly I'm like, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I am. It's meant to, I thought I knew it. I've been here before, but I don't know where I am right now. Get the tom-tom out, plug it in, press it on. Immediately it comes up. Takes a while to get the signal. Then immediately it lets you know, oh, that's where you are. Put in the place. Shows you where to go. Well, this is what Jesus was doing with them. And this is why Scripture Bible teaching and going to the Word during these times of heart-searching, heartbreaking times, the Scripture, that which is already stored up in you because you've been learning and growing in it, and that which you're growing in, that these things, that's why the preaching of God's Word by the Holy Spirit can sometimes, you can go to a sermon and it just feels that there's something in the sermon is just right for you at that moment. Other times you, you learn from the sermon, you go, oh, that was good, I learned something. Well, you're saving that up for later. But there's other times when you sit during a sermon and it's like God talk, and you go, I don't know what's going on right now. I've had a really weird week. And God's tom-tom says, here you are, and this is where you're going. And you think, all right, I'm not lost anymore. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. 
So he told them about the Old Testament. He spoke about how Isaac and Abraham, uh, about to sacrifice Isaac, was a picture of him. He spoke about the lamb at Passover that was slain and the blood put on the doors uh, for Israel to be delivered from the land of Egypt. He said, that lamb, I am the Passover lamb. And so he took them to the word and he explained it to them and something was going on in their heart while they were doing it. And then finally... With his heart searching, scripture searching, they were searching the scriptures together with Jesus, and the scriptures were searching their hearts, and they were finding out their plate, their point of reference on a journey. They, they, they didn't know where they were spiritually. Jesus was bringing them back. It was all very good during this heart searching period. Finally, we get to the heart burning, is what I, 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 I call it. And this is powerful. This, this is what really spoke to me individually. They approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going farther. Verse 28. He acted is not actually the proper Greek. The New Testament is written in Greek. It makes it sound like he pretended he was going farther. It wasn't pretend. He was going to go further. He'd explained to them the scriptures. He'd put them back in, in orientation of where they were and what had happened and explained it all and it was like okay I've given you everything you need for your journey so I'll be on your way but they didn't let him go imagine if they had said oh great thanks well you know we feel a lot better now we, we can see that that things are going to happen and we're, we're more positive we understand you know Jesus must be raised from the dead because you've said it although we haven't experienced it yet you know we we, we feel that we, we we know what we're doing so thanks very much stranger off you go Holy Spirit I believe applied this to my own personal life and I thought to myself as I looked at this I thought you know I've been guilty of doing this. I've been guilty of the Lord coming when I didn't know what was going on or I didn't understand a scripture or I didn't understand a circumstance or I didn't know how to respond to a situation and it's like God has come, the Lord has come beside me and he's pointed some things out in the scriptures or he's given me a revelation or he's giving me a word or a promise or, or he's used someone else you know, somebody else has said something or prayed for me and I didn't know it was Jesus, but it was. And he had worked through a stranger, not a stranger, but, you know, worked through somebody else. And I've got my orientation. I'm not fearful anymore. I'm encouraged. I can take more steps in my journey. Might not understand everything, but I've got enough now, enough to go forward trusting the Lord and then at that moment, I realised that I'd been guilty of saying, great, great, I can keep going. Almost like if I was in this situation, it'd be like, you give me enough for me to continue my spiritual journey. Uh, thanks. And Jesus like saying, all right, I'll, I'll see you later then. Yeah, yeah, bye. Bye, I've got my directions. Thanks. You know, like, like going and saying, excuse me, do, do, you know, do you know the way to this place? Do you know the way to this restaurant? I'm lost. And someone says, yeah, well, no problem. You, you go uh, down the road, uh, two blocks, turn right, left again, and there's the restaurant. Oh, great, thanks. Well, bye, bye. Got the directions. When really, what I should have been doing is not so eager to say, right, that's it, I can keep going, but I should be like, stop, pause, pause. All right, you've got your directions. You've got your bearings. But now it's time to fellowship with the Lord. So they could have easily have said to Jesus, 
thanks a lot. You've really helped us. Have a, have a good day. And he was going to go. And he would have gone. And they would have heard from others and eventually they would, they, would, they would get the evidence from others that they'd seen the Lord. But they themselves would not have experienced what they were about to experience if they hadn't desired his company. If they hadn't cared for the needs of a stranger, their eyes would not have been opened. And I thought to myself, you know, this is really important because... It's not just about your personal journey and the Holy Spirit speaking to you and the scriptures. But I thought to myself, the best revelation, the greatest thing that happened to them on this journey was during a cell group. A cell group where they had communion. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there in a special way. Well, he was with them anyway, but he was about to be with them in a very special way. When? when they had a small, two or three, it was three of them, a small gathering. Not just the scripture, script, the Bible teaching bit of the cell, if I can put it like, like that. Not just the questions and they, oh, I'm having a, a difficult time bit of the cell. How are you? Oh, I'm struggling. Well, we'll pray for you. How are you? I don't know what to do. Well, here's some wisdom. How are you? Well, I've got a little message to share with you. We're, we're going to take the notes of the Sunday service. And we're going to apply them to our lives. You could see all this type of thing happening, couldn't you? But that time when they put those things down and they said, let's spend some time together. Let, let, let us feed you. Let's have some food. Don't go on. Don't go on. We've, we, we've done all the Bible reading. We've done the Bible teaching. We've done the sermon. We've done the questions. We've done the heart searching. Uh, should we close the meeting and leave? No, stay. Just stay. We want to feed you. We want to look after you. We want to minister to you, stranger. And... Uh, that communion that they had together was what was the greatest thing that happened that day, wasn't it? I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? He takes the bread, he breaks it, it says, and he begins to give it to them. As he's giving them the bread, their eyes are opened, they recognise him, and he vanishes from their sight. So for I just imagine it, it's, it's like a Hollywood film, isn't it? You see Jesus there, he's a stranger. They don't, he's a stranger. And then Jesus breaks the bread and all of a sudden they see it's the risen Lord and he's gone. A glimpse, a glimpse, a revelation, a touch of God, a manifestation of God. It lasted a moment, this glimpse, but they would be able to live on that glimpse for the rest of their life. As important as the teaching was, did not our hearts burned, burn as he explained and applied the scriptures? As far as the company of having a stranger who knew the word and was very wise, all those things were good and all those things that were helpful. As I've said, I felt conviction of the Holy Spirit that there's been many times in my life when I've walked with Jesus and he's opened the scriptures and he's applied them, and he's helped me, and I've basically, without realising it, sort of said, great, thanks very much, and then got on with my life. Never really entered in out of that situation to sit back and reflect on what's happened and where I am and sit by a campfire in Jesus. You know what I have on my screensaver at home right now, because I, I, I meditate on it a lot? 
I got a painting on the screensaver, you know, you can download them. And it's a picture of Jesus and he's sitting by the fire preparing the fish and he's beckoning to the disciples to come out of their boat and to join him for the fish. Remember when he was raised from the dead and then Peter jumped in and everything and he's there. And I've got that on my screensaver because that reminds me, and I've been thinking a lot about that and about just spending time, I mean, I know it's just a bit, spending time around the campfire with Jesus. And I was thinking about this picture and I was just thinking to myself, Lord, I just want to spend time with you as if we were by this campfire. In fact, I don't, I don't really feel we need to talk. I don't think we need to chat about anything. Just sit, know that you're there and look at the, the fire and just to be with you around that fire. You had a big fire, didn't you, last uh, uh, Friday night where all the men were and they were praying and, and you were telling me, Chris, when you were in the military that there is something very powerful about sitting round the fire together. Was there a phrase? That... Uh, military TV. Military TV, they call it. When they're out there in the wilds and it's night and they set up a fire and they all just... I don't, I'm just going from what Chris has told me. I have not experienced it. I've had a cub fire. <laughs> but we, we, we were like pushing each other into the fire all night. We weren't sitting there being proper... You know, it was, I was a cub scat... And he was just saying, they said, and everybody would just look into the fire and there'd be a solidarity and everybody would have, be working out their own thoughts, but working out their own thoughts together, bonding, strengthening, experiencing, but no words need to be said. I'm just sharing you personally how this scripture has, has spoken to me as I've done it and how I'm, you know, the little bit that God's been speaking to to me about, I do fellowship with the Lord, by the way. I do pray, I do these things. But I'm just saying there's a deeper level, isn't there? And it just reminded me, when you get something, don't rush ahead with it. When God solves it, when God gives you the word, when the scriptures are open, when the preaching allows you to, to go forward in your journey, don't just get on with it. Stop. Reflect on the journey that you've been on. and Spend some time breaking bread with the Lord. Spend some time fellowshipping with others. That's where we can really, really meet the Lord. And that one glimpse that they had was worth everything. And then, of course, the rest of the story is, instead of going on to uh, Emmaus, they turn around to go back and they found that other people have also been experiencing his, risen, his, his, his rising. Well, let's bow our heads in prayer as we close. What's God saying to you about your discipleship journey? You're not on the road to Emmaus, but the principles of what we've looked at are applied to our lives too. Are you in a heartbreaking part of your journey? Or it might not be so radical as heartbreaking. It just might be a, uh, you know, a downtime, difficult time. Are you in a place where it's your heart-searching part of the journey? Where God's doing heart work, ask the circumstances are asking you questions. It's time to dig into the scriptures. Or are you in that heart-burning thing where, where God has shown you how to keep walking and now what it is is to fellowship, just to spend time by that fire, if I can put it that way, with Jesus, just to be with him, Maybe not to talk, you've got the word, you've got the compass, you've got the tom-tom, but just to spend time with him. Because it's there 
that the most precious moments of strength will give to you. Just you and the Lord, one on one. Amen.